asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. In recent weeks, we've really focused on some ways that listeners can boost their income. Uh, so whether that's through starting your own side business and growing your network like Hala talked about, or when we talked with local realtor Alan about diving into investing in real estate, well, what better way to test the waters? While you are away, your home could also earn extra income. That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling, because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think, and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides and seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're really choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. And today's topic, don't trust money advice from these folks. You know, Joel, in life, there are people who you can trust and there's people who you shouldn't be trusting <laughs> with your life, with your money. But here's the question that I think everybody's kind of wondering, like, who's to say that I should be trusting Matt and Joel? We're actually going to get to that <laughs> during this episode because we realized as you and I were discussing this, we're like, wait a minute, how are folks supposed to know whether uh, they are trustworthy, Matt and Joel themselves? And so I'm actually really looking forward to getting to that part of our discussion today, dude. And, and there might be a few people that know you and me who would specifically say, we're not all that trustworthy. Don't trust so. them. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we'll talk about all no. that. And we're not going to list specific names. We're not going to go down like a laundry list of individuals and say, don't trust their advice. What we're going to do is kind of talk about... Yeah, don't listen to your Aunt Karen. Like, <laughs> that's terrible advice. <laughs> right. And you probably shouldn't. But no, th there's all sorts of different groups of folks. There are types of people. That might be trying to offer you money advice. And we want to kind of like talk about like, where should you go for trustworthy advice? How can you vet and make sure the money advice that you're getting is solid and helpful for you. We'll, we'll talk about that today on the show. Matt, before we get to that, I wanted to let you know that I recently watched the WeWork documentary on Hulu. I don't actually have Hulu, but I was babysitting your kids. But we do. So <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're signed into Hulu on, on your TV because I think your mother-in-law has got it right. 
Nah, man, I'm pretty sure we are paying for it. I think Kate did sign up uh, in order to watch the series, but that's a, a good reminder that I need to get in there and cancel that junk. <laughs> Keep uh, folks from you from uh, freeloading off of the free Netflix, the free perks from uh, <laughs> watching your well, best well, friend's kids. Maybe maybe go watch this documentary Before first. I cancel it, maybe I should watch the uh, WeWork. Yeah, it, it was we super interesting. Deal. Honestly, it, watching it made me think about this episode that we're about to record. Oh, yeah? Yeah, because you know, the, the CEO of WeWork, Adam Newman, there was this like, cult of personality uh, around the company. He was Basically, it was this real estate company that he pitched as being this tech company. Mm. And so, like, valuations soared because he was convincing investors that this company was something other than what it actually was. It was a real estate company, but he was tapping into that Bay Area tech mindset. Yeah, they were based out of New York, but he's, you know, letting everybody know that, no, 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 we're, we're more like Facebook and Google than we are, <laughs> like, the Regis office systems or whatever. Like, it's just running office space. We're we're above that. He was a tech bro wannabe, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, obviously, a lot, of, a lot of people got hurt in the WeWork saga. A lot of people lost a lot of money in that, but just watching that made me think. Like, but you liked it though. I did. I did. I, I liked it, and it was just a warning too. Like, be careful who you listen to. Mm. Be careful what people are telling you, and you need to vet what you're being told. Because when you look at the fundamentals of a company like WeWork, it was just a real estate company, mm. and you know they did fine for a while. But they were trying to grow too fast, and they were trying to be something that they weren't, and they just couldn't sustain the valuation, and things came crashing back down to earth. Yeah. Well, thanks for that recommendation, man. I'll have to check it out. Uh, I did look it up on Rotten Tomatoes, and it gets it gets good reviews on there. Do you ever do you still use Rotten Tomatoes? I do sometimes, yeah. yeah. Actually, okay, so you, you watched that recently. I recently also looked up uh, Wall Street. Have you ever watched that movie, like from the 80s? Oh, well, like yeah. A, a long time like ago. Like a long time ago. Yeah. So I don't think I've ever seen it, but recently I've had a desire. Just, I mean, we talk about money all the time. We talk about investing. We talk about the stock market. But we've never been to Wall Street. Well, I mean, I've I've been to Wall Street. Oh, have like, you? Yeah, like oh, okay. like visiting New York. Okay, yeah, I've, no, I've I've never been there. I've been up there taking a picture with a bull. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> But I feel like it would be interesting to just see how things used to be, kind of like back... I mean, that's a long time ago, right? Uh, back in the 80s. But well, specifically, one of the reasons I want to watch it is because that movie came out like a couple months after uh, the crash in 87. And so a lot of folks kind of like... they basically, It seemed like they had a scapegoat. Like they had a, a reason as to why everyone was going through this. And that movie had just come out. And so I heard about that recently. And it just made me realize that, like, man, that's, that's not a movie I've ever seen. I doubt Kate has any interest in watching it, though. So I'll have to watch it solo. Might, maybe even tonight, because our wives have a little girls night plan they're gonna go out to eat that's right yeah. so all right well let me know how it is i will let you know because it's been a while <laughs> <laughs> but um let's mention the beer that we're having on the show today matt this one is called the return of the tripping dead it's by tripping animals brewing company and they make some really interesting stuff this is a, a sour beer i'm excited to check out today and we'll give our thoughts on this beer at the end of the episode but for now, let's get on to the topic at hand we are discussing why you shouldn't trust money advice from certain people and matt I want to ask you, what's the worst advice you've ever gotten? Hopefully it didn't come from me. No, I mean, I think I've actually gotten pretty good advice uh, issued to me my entire life. I feel like it's more me just not listening to that advice. <laughs> <laughs> like, I feel like I've, I've gotten pretty good advice. That being said, I can remember one time a specific real estate deal. And I had a, a great agent, a very experienced real estate agent. And she was recommending for me to walk away from a specific deal because the seller's agent was doing kind of some unconventional stuff, like the way, like some of the requirements he was he was making folks to kind of the hoops that he was making folks jump through weren't normal. And she was like, "No, nah, that's not how you you do business. You shouldn't have to do this. Walk away from the deal." But he had good reasons for it, and I kind of felt down on my gut that I was willing to take that risk. And had I listened to her, there's a good chance that we would have missed out on that property. Uh, and that specific house is our best rental property. <laughs> and so, had I listened to her, we wouldn't have that rental. And so that's, I guess, maybe one specific 
piece of financial advice that was given to me that I intentionally was like, I hear what you're saying. I totally appreciate where you're coming from, but I'm going to choose to take another path. This is a, and it worked out. Too good a deal to pass up on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I understand that. I feel like we've all gotten some bad advice at some point in our lives, whether it's like relationship advice or money <laughs> advice or just like really anything. Someone has steered us wrong at some point in Actually, time. I've gotten poor relationship advice before too, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> now that I think about it. Well, it makes me think about like if you're visiting somewhere and you're trying to get directions from someone else who's also visiting. Like one time I was in Norway and because I look Norwegian, because like my family's Norwegian, people came up to me and they're like, hey, do you know how to get here? And I'm like, I mean, I could try to tell you, but I don't really know. And like, just not a good idea to get advice from me while I'm like visiting somewhere. And the same is true if someone else is visiting and they're like, I mean, I don't really know, but I can kind of point you in the right direction. The, those tourists were like looking at each other is like, did that guy sound like he's from Marietta, Georgia? <laughs> yeah, there's just, there's just like this high probability that you're not going to get to the right destination if that person isn't familiar familiar with where you're headed, right? And and the democratization of media has been great in a whole lot of ways, but it can also make it difficult as an individual to know who you can trust, really in a lot of areas of life, but specifically we're going to talk about money. There are a lot of self-appointed experts these days, and it's easy to start following and listening to people who either maybe have an outright bias Or maybe they just don't know enough to give you solid advice for what's going on in your life. That is true, dude. Yeah, most of us don't really know where to turn for advice these days. So we end up oftentimes getting it from the wrong folks, right? We either turn to to folks who know maybe just a little bit more than us, but still not very much. uh, Or we try to find a quote unquote expert where we're not sure which one actually knows what they're talking about. Uh, And often too, that person has a goal to make money based on how it is that you react to their advice. Uh, And so because of that, it's really hard to know who to trust. And then in addition to that too, since time compounds the effects of bad advice, implementing these poor money habits based on just bad advice early on, they can really cost you big time if you don't correct those bad moves. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about some of the common places that folks turn for money advice and how it is to know who's trustworthy and who isn't. That's true. Before we get into that too, though, I think it's important to note that a lot of situations that we're going to talk about today aren't instances where someone is out to get you, right? Where they're trying on purpose to give you bad advice. Often financial advice that you're going to hear from a whole lot of people comes with good intentions, but it's still not helpful because it's not the right advice for you. There are, of course, folks out there trying to take advantage of other people. Bernie Madoff, for instance, was one of those kinds of folks. But hopefully we're all finding ourselves in situations where someone is trying to give us good advice. They have good intentions, but it's just not advice that you should be taking that's when it's going to take some wisdom on your part to know what you should be doing. Uh, Just because you can take someone's advice, it doesn't mean that you should, right? Yeah, dude. I I almost feel that that could be like the subtitle of this episode. Just because you can doesn't mean you should, right? (laughs) Because we're we're going to be exposed to lots of different pieces of advice in our lifetimes. Um, It honestly just kind of makes me think to other areas in our life as well, right? Like I can go and smoke a cigarette, right? In fact, I could choose to smoke a pack a day if I if I chose to. Don't do it, buddy. I could, but I'm not going to because that would be a bad decision for me. Just because something exists out there in the world doesn't mean you should. Probably like a bad decision for everyone, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> same, like, same thing with food. It doesn't have to be like you know, drug related or whatever. I could choose to eat Krispy Kreme donuts every single day. And I would love that (laughs) because I love those donuts, but that doesn't mean I should, right? And so it's important to point out that we have the freedom to choose what it is that we're going to pursue and what we're not going to pursue. It is up to us as individuals. And when it comes to the different financial advice that we hear, sometimes the advice can be poor 
because oftentimes folks don't know our specific situation. You know, personal circumstances are incredibly relevant to these different conversations that we have surrounding money. Say you're talking with someone and they suggest you do exactly what they're doing with their money but they don't find out more about your specific situation, like that could be harmful. You might even be making a good financial move, but if you do it at the wrong time, that could be bad for your current financial situation. And actually, man, I made this exact mistake after I'd graduated college. Uh, a slightly older friend of mine you know, said that I should go ahead and open a Roth IRA, get investing as soon as possible. Uh, he himself, he'd seen some huge gains over the course of just a few years. He was you know, like, a, I don't know, five, 10 years older than me. And so I followed his advice. I did. I opened up that Roth IRA. However, I was not in a solid position uh, when it came to my money. Not enough savings in the bank to, a- yes, exactly. <laughs> to, to be investing. And, and a couple of years later, I found myself in a situation where I was in the process of moving. I needed that money for some other things. And luckily, it was in a Roth. And so I could withdraw those contributions without penalty. But even still, I would have been better served had I had that money in the bank. I would have been much less stressed. I would have had more margin and that emergency fund would have been sitting there waiting on me. But instead, that money was in a volatile market. Yeah. So that, of course, is a case of someone with good intentions, but you're getting the advice maybe at the wrong time. You're not quite ready for that step. Exactly. That's where the the money gears come in that we talked about in episode 302, right? It's like, it's important to know when to do what with your money, not just what to do with your money. And of course, too, maybe someone who's offering you advice is chomping at the bit to offer you a specific solution that's a silver bullet, right? And they're saying, this is exactly what you should be doing with your money. That can also be a red flag, right? It, it might mean that that person, that individual is biased, or maybe they stand to gain in some way if you follow their advice. It's like talking to an insurance salesman. You know what? You need $10 million of term life insurance <laughs> or, or $10 million worse of whole life insurance. Oh, and yeah. um, you're asking the wrong person. They stand to benefit, and maybe you don't need nearly that much, and in all likelihood, you need term life insurance, right? So <laughs> That's uh, true. Yeah. A little life insurance nugget for folks. <laughs> and, and this is especially true, right? If, if that person is selling a product with their name or their company's name on it, uh, or maybe they're trying to get you to sign up for a service they offer. Again, it's not that they're trying to swindle you or steal your money. It's just that they have self-interest in what they're selling in the product that they're pushing. And that's just really important to be aware of when you're taking money advice. Yeah, dude, honestly, the same thing could be said of us, right? We kind of touched on this at the very beginning. Like folks probably think that we're acting in our own best interests. And honestly, like that's really true to a certain extent. But we fully believe that our interests align with the uh, interests of our listeners. And I don't mean right that everyone should take the exact path towards wealth building uh, that we're taking. Right? Like I'm not saying that everybody out there should uh, dabble in real estate like we do. Uh, but what we're, what we're talking about is that the quality and the soundness of the advice that we give here on the show that it needs to be the absolute best info uh, that there is. You know, it's not only for the benefit of everyone listening, but that approach also benefits us <laughs> and our our ability to have a quality show that we care about, that we want to continue to grow. We want to make sure that we're doing things. It's not only for the benefit of everyone out there listening, but that approach also benefits us and our ability to have a quality show that we care about and a show that we want to see continue to grow, to continue to reach listeners out there to, you know, as we provide great financial advice. I mean, it's, it's just a way for us to show that like we have skin in the game. And that's one of the ways that ensures that we're giving good advice to you, our listener. Yeah, it's that's true. Like, I don't think we would last very long if we were selling maybe crummy online courses or, or right. something that didn't have the best interests of our listeners front and center. Like, that's what matters the most to us. You know, we might stand to benefit maybe in the short term if we offered more self-interested advice or we were packaging more and more things to sell. 
But in the long run, that level of trust in what we're saying, I think would disintegrate, right? Yeah. Leaving you and I with a, a show that maybe people wouldn't want to listen to and not maybe, but like people, they wouldn't. people would not want to listen yeah, to yeah, it, you know? Exactly. And, and like if people can't trust us, how do money goes bust, period, right? And mm-hmm. we got to move on and find something else to do. And that's also why we so often discuss how we come to certain conclusions, especially when we're taking listener questions. But in every episode, right, we don't want to just provide an answer to a question. We want to show the process of how we arrived there. Those principles can then be applied uh, in a lot of other financial situations you find yourself in down the road. And to me, that fuller explanation makes what we're talking about and the answers that we're giving even more valuable. Yeah, dude. And additionally, if we didn't really believe this, we wouldn't have chosen to, to do an episode on this topic, right? We'd be <laughs> shining a spotlight on like, <laughs> our idiots else. <laughs> exactly. They're like, these guys are either geniuses or they're idiots. <laughs> <laughs> but hopefully folks just realize that we're just being honest in this case. So we've, we've likely had a ton of different folks give us different advice over the years like we talked about earlier. And we're going to get into more specifics about who it is that you should be ignoring uh, and the principles too for finding solid money advice regularly right after the break. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. And now a word from the show's sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment is the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal. Rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money is breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Spring cleaning is kind of a, an annual rite of passage. We've all got to do it, minimize the junk that we have in our house. Emily and I, we just cleaned our closets out. It took hours, but it was so worth it. Now we've only got stuff in there that we love, and it's easier to find everything too. And so, you know, while cleaning your closets is helpful, well, there's something else you can do for your family this spring. Shopping for life insurance with Policy Genius, for example, is a really important part of your financial planning for the year. That's right. Yeah. And here is the thing that's important to remember, because you might be thinking you don't need to check out Policy Genius because you've got a policy through work. But even if you have a life insurance policy through your job, it may not offer you enough protection for your family's needs and it may not follow you if you leave your job. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Policy Genius works for you, not the insurance companies, and that means they don't have an incentive to recommend one insurer over another, so you can trust their guidance. 
Save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. If you're listening to this podcast right now and you're a small business owner, listen up. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're actually choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. They do everything from hyper-targeting best fit prospects through campaign optimization. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads, and has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no-obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention, new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. All right, man, let's keep rolling with this. Let's talk about folks that you shouldn't trust when it comes to money advice. And I feel like one of the places that we should shine a light first is maybe like the experts that you're going to find on social media. They're kind of a dime a dozen these days. This and, is this is a category I feel like we've been, again, we've, we've kind of been touching on this a lot lately. <laughs> <laughs> and I will say it's, it's not that social media is all bad. And there are some awesome people using that medium well in an attempt to spread helpful information about personal finance, debt reduction, investing, financial literacy. I mean, my sister the other day was telling me about a couple of people she follows on Instagram. And it's just giving her a lot of inspiration when it comes to her debt payoff journey. And I'm glad she's got those people. So I don't want to like hate on social media altogether. Right. But, but it's also true that certain mediums are less conducive to helpful advice than others. Some are set up to provide a back and forth exchange and they can include greater context. Long form audio, I feel like is actually one of those mediums where you can do that. Yeah. It it allows you to dive into more of the nuances of a topic instead of just being like, you just got to do this, just do this one thing and you'll be set. Right. Exactly. That's not how we do it. (laughs) Yeah. But, but the problem with social media is that anyone can post financial content that ends up in your feed. Mm. You know, some people might be more informed than others. Like hopefully some of the people my sister's following are helpful and are giving good advice as well as that inspiration and the ability to get more context from someone that you follow, see, or here just in social media is almost non-existent so you might see a graphic but a fuller context and explanation can be harder to come by yeah those folks your sister follows i feel like that could be a great place for folks to turn for like you said kind of this inspirational financial content you know and, and and yeah you might even learn something kind of along the way especially if you're following the right folks who have a solid history in the personal finance space but the thing is you know we're talking about social media here but we're also seeing this in other media as well just like even on tv like entertainment uh and social media is almost like a form of entertainment now it's not like we're using it to just keep in touch with other folks. It's kind of replaced some of the other types of entertainment that we used to consume. And so in the same way, you shouldn't necessarily take business advice from Shark Tank. It's inspiring <laughs> and it's and it's pretty cool to see some of the things that they're doing, but that's not a replacement for an MBA, for instance, right? And so in the same way, following these folks online isn't necessarily a replacement for you kind of getting your own personal finance chops in order. And so if you're looking to get a big chunk of your financial education from the major social media platforms out there, we don't think the results are going to be great. <laughs> Again, like we said earlier, this is a, a huge reason why we're all about teaching uh, and not just about like selling a product or, or making a pitch. We want you to dig a little bit deeper. Uh, don't blindly follow what it is that folks are out there pitching and, and selling. It, gosh, it even makes me think about Reddit, right? Like folks are turning to these different subreddits and they're taking their financial advice as to what they should purchase next, what they should invest in. Uh, and that's not a great way of going about things. And I've seen some sound financial advice on Reddit. 
I've also seen the opposite. <laughs> and and for, for novices, it's hard to know what the difference is and who you should listen to on there. And so if you're going there frequently and that's where you're hoping to get a good bit of your financial education, you could be led astray, right? Yeah, totally. Uh, also, let's talk about journalists. Maybe that's another place where you shouldn't be turning. You shouldn't be trusting those folks for financial advice. Established media. Yeah. <laughs> news articles in particular seem like they'd be a yeah. great place for helpful financial advice, right? We turn to the news frequently to find out what's going on in the world. Why not turn there for some enlightenment when it comes to our money? Well, clickbait and sensationalism are major problems in the world of online journalism. And a lot of papers have had to trim staff in a major way. Like good personal finance content is almost non-existent in the pages of some of the most prominent papers in the country now. That didn't used to be the case 15, 20 years ago. You used to find great personal finance content in newspapers around the country, but that is sorely lacking these days. That's true, dude. Yeah, there are still some great writers out there, you know, that we consistently turn to week in and week out. Like Be- Ron Lieber, one of our buddies in the New York Times. That's true. Him, David Lazarus out there at the LA Times, he does yeah. a good job as well. Uh, but these folks have established a history of excellent reporting on the topic of money, specifically personal finance. But man, they are few and far between. And so news articles can be a helpful supplement to your personal finance knowledge. But knowing where you can specifically turn to for that helpful advice is key. And I, I, dude, I think some of the best written personal finance content is actually found outside of the major publications these days. There are a lot of individuals who have written specifically about their personal situation, you know, whether it's them getting out of debt or them achieving financial independence. But even still, make sure that you're not just blindly following those folks. Yeah, I'm constantly surprised that I can get far better personal finance content from hundreds of blogs around the internet than I can from some of the biggest newspapers. Like mm-hmm. that that just constantly shocks me, but I think it's true. Also, let's talk about friends, Matt. Can you trust advice from your friends? Well, obviously you can rely on your friends for a whole lot of things through thick and thin, right? I know if I was stranded four hours south of town, that you'd come you'd come get me, right, buddy? Of course, dude. Yeah, okay. I'm there. All right. And, and that's what's great about friendship, right? And best friends in particular. But you can rely on your friends, I would say, for almost anything because <laughs> friends aren't typically a great resource when we're talking about personal finance advice, right? Unless you're friends with Warren Buffett or you like we are, right? Well, we keep making that joke and I feel like we should actually try to see if we can get like Warren Buffett's digits. Like, <laughs> Let's get him on the podcast. <laughs> dude, I would love if I had Warren Buffett in my phone. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people would actually. Yeah, they would. They would. Well, you know, if you're friends with Warren Buffett, you can definitely take his uh, money advice. Or maybe if you co-host a podcast about money with your best friend, then uh, and then it's a good idea to take your best friend's money advice. But you, you might want to think twice before taking action on a lot of your friends hot money take or even their well-intentioned money advice just because you've known them for a lot of years and they're super supportive of you doesn't mean that they're going to be able to offer you you know stellar money advice it doesn't mean that they're necessarily the most knowledgeable in that particular area I do think a, a solid friendship is a great place, though, to start talking about money and you know bouncing ideas off of one another. Like that's basically how you and I started this this podcast. Like we would sit down and start talking about it, and it's evolved into what it is today. But a friend who is also interested in personal finance can provide just a ton of motivation to attack your your savings and your wealth building goals. Uh, and we really think that friends should open up and talk about money together more often. I mean, that's one of our missions here on the show is to to normalize that. But taking offhand investment advice. 
from your friend uh, or you know making changes to your game plan based on a, a quick conversation is what should be avoided. Don't make a, a quick pivot based on a just a brief discussion that y'all had. Instead, use that conversation and let it fuel you to go and dig deeper on a specific topic to see how much validity there is. Uh, it might turn out that your friend knows what they're talking about. And if so, you know, maybe you can start to trust them a little bit more. Yeah, I think basically we don't want you to blindly trust yeah. you know, money advice from a friend. And definitely I agree, Matt. Open up the lines of communication and talk about money more. Just because money advice from your friend isn't foolproof doesn't mean you guys shouldn't be talking about it because we do believe the conversation in and of itself is a good thing. Also too, Matt, let's, let's talk about another place people might be tempted to get money advice from or people that might be tempted to give you money advice. That's your coworkers, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's true. I feel like, you, you, especially back in the day, you might hear you know some financial advice around the water cooler in the break room. It's probably less common these days, right? There's that is true. Are people hanging out in the break rooms? Maybe soon, hopefully soon. And my guess is there's less of that right now too because colleagues are less likely to give their tips over email or a Zoom call. Uh, but still, like, <laughs> it seems a lot less natural to be like, hey, by the way, I think you should buy this. Yeah. Like, Wait, what? what are you talking about, man? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, not the same as if we're just not like hanging out in person. You right. Just like dish information my way. It's true. Yeah, but still, I think to, you know, taking personal finance advice from someone that you work with should be done with a grain of salt. And, and do your due diligence before taking action on their advice. Just because you've been working with them for a long time and just because you know they're nice to work with doesn't mean that they've got their finances buttoned up and that they've got good advice to offer you. Yeah, I, th- I mean, I think that's a reason why we, we're mentioning this one is because when you work with somebody, you build up a level of trust. I mean, just like with your friends, uh, you know somebody, you know their heart. Uh, same thing with coworkers. When, when you've worked with them for so long, you know that they're dependable and that they deliver the goods when it comes to specific projects. Just because they're a great consultant uh, when it comes to consulting on the things that they consult about. Whatever consultants do. <laughs> I don't know what consultants do, man. Uh, that doesn't mean that you should follow their advice when it comes to, to, to your money, to your personal finances. And so if they occasionally opine about their, their money, about the personal finances, it's easy to let their beliefs take root in your brain without much pushback. Uh, and you know, I'd say don't feel the need to combat their errors uh, <laughs> necessarily, you know, unless you have that kind of relationship. Uh, but also be careful that you just don't let that great work relationship lead to money misinformation if you just kind of, again, blindly trust whatever it is that they're saying. Truth. All right, Matt, another place that people definitely frequently get personal financial advice is from their parents. But should you actually trust your parents when it comes to money advice? And I think this is uh, probably the best example of someone who really wants the best for you, you know, but, but they might just be misinformed or they could just have differing opinions of how to achieve a shared end goal, right? But just because they think, your parents think, that they have your best intentions in mind, that doesn't mean that they have the best advice for the situation that you're going through, right. in particular when it comes to money. When giving personal finance advice, your parents are probably going to default to what they're most familiar with, or maybe they're thinking about what they did when they were your age. And things have changed quite a bit, Matt. Like, think about even just investing. Like, index funds were not really a thing when our parents began investing, and now they're exactly what most people should be doing. But even though certain goals like financial security and even certain values can transcend generations, right? What applied to our parents can apply to us. Uh, the way we arrive at those goals, I think, has changed and will likely continue to change over the years. And so when you're getting advice from your parents about money, you just have to be careful and you have to filter it at least. Yeah, it makes me think of Roth IRAs. Like they literally didn't exist before 1997. Yeah. <laughs> and it's something that, I mean, that we recommend folks 
start with. Like that's the number one thing folks should do as they're looking to invest and, and save for their retirement. Uh, but that was wasn't even a thing that was around before '97, and it wasn't something that most folks even knew about until the 2000s. And so yeah, that's a small example of how the the goals of having financial stability and independence is still a same goal, but the ways that we arrive there have changed. But yeah, man, I like what you said about how we learn from our folks because these different financial habits can be passed down from one generation to the to the next unintentionally. You know, like many of us are almost like swimming in the sea of, of personal finance beliefs that we're not even aware of that were formed during our childhood to a large extent by our parents. So if your parents handle their money like average Americans do, uh, then it can be easy for us to do the exact same thing. But here's the thing, man, like we don't want to be average, <laughs> right? Like no the, way. the average American has something like, like $6,000 in revolving credit card debt. And so that's not what we're striving after. But uh, maybe your parents have been exceptional with their money and they've taught you well and that's great uh, but it's also going to be more rare and so there's a way to love and to honor your your folks without continuing to execute your your financial life in a similar way uh, in the same way that they're doing it agreed and i think too there's a way to like hear your parents out and you know filter like i said the good things from the bad and you don't have to be disrespectful and you don't have to push back in a lot of these situations you don't have to be a jerk when someone's giving you right. bad financial advice especially when it's someone you love but it's just important still to be aware that it might not be the most trustworthy information so far we've been talking about avoiding personal finance advice from non-professionals though but what about getting a professional to weigh in on your situation how do we feel about financial advisors? And then too, like, where does how to money measure up? We'll get to that and more right after this break. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. If you're listening to this podcast right now and you're a small business owner, listen up. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're actually choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. They do everything from hyper-targeting best fit prospects through campaign optimization. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads, and has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no-obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention, new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. Kachava is the all-in-one superfood shake made up of high-quality plant-based nutrients. It's got greens, superfruits, plant proteins, antioxidants, adaptogens, probiotics, and in other words, everything your body craves to feel your best. This is where Kachava really earns their 52,000-plus five-star reviews. 
It tastes amazing. It's creamy and smooth with just water, and it comes in five delicious flavors. You can choose from chocolate, vanilla, chai, matcha, and coconut acai. Cachava is offering How to Money listeners 10% off for a limited time. I've been using cachava in breakfast smoothies in the morning recently. It's just so nice to pack in a bunch of nutrients early in the a.m. in a way that's satisfying and energizing. So if you want to optimize your breakfast, your workout shake, be sure to check out cachava. Just go to cachava dot com slash how to money that's spelled k-a-c-h-a-v-a and get 10 percent off your first order that's k-a-c-h-a-v-a dot com slash how to money i'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans we always like to get the families together matt for a week yeah, at the we beach do. every single summer we've already got that trip to saint simon's on the calendar pumped for that but sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host, or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. All right, man, we're back. Uh, let's keep on trucking. The examples you know, that we've talked through so far are a bit more social uh, in nature, right? Like they're more social relationships. The folks we mentioned, they probably don't stand to directly benefit from the personal finance advice that they're dispensing. But what about uh, a professional relationship, right? A, a client advisor kind of relationship? Well, we feel that an advisor can be the perfect answer to some of the different money quandaries that you might find yourself in. A good fee-only fiduciary advisor might be the perfect place uh, for you to turn once you've built up a solid nest egg. They're going to know, you know all the ins and outs. They're going to know the latest changes to the rules. But hiring an advisor often won't help you to implement some of the most important aspects of personal finance into your life. Like That's going to be on you. <laughs> and so even if you've hired them as a coach, like you're still going to have to act on their advice. You still have to make the decision to actually follow through. That's true. And a financial advisor can be really helpful and a great place for all kinds of advice as you get further along in your money journey journey, but you still got to know your stuff, right? Even if you have yeah. an advisor on your side, you have to be well-informed. Building up your own base of money knowledge can't be avoided. That's just not something you can skip. And so even if it's only to be able to ask that advisor the important questions when you're choosing one and working with them, it's important to have a solid personal finance education that you have gained yourself. And by the way, we talked about advisors in depth back in episode 206. There are pros and cons to hiring a financial advisor. And we discussed the things that you need to think through before you actually take that leap. Yeah, that's right. And aside too from, from hiring a financial advisor, having that foundational knowledge is how you'll know whether the advice that you're hearing is legit, right? Because, you know, we're talking about like the coworkers, <laughs> like your coworker might actually be like a personal finance genius that you should be taking advice from. But you're not going to know that if you don't have any knowledge at all. We feel that there are, are factors beyond digging into the background of the person who's, who's currently giving you the advice. And we don't think, too, that this involves asking for diplomas and credentials you know, of the person you're talking to. Having just that proper base of knowledge will help you to filter the different things that you're hearing. You need to have a baseline of money knowledge so that you can kind of stand on your own two feet. You can't just rely on the opinions of others or even on your quote-unquote like money guy or money girl. You can't just like completely trust them with everything. 
Yeah, Matt, I feel like some of the most influential minds in the personal finance space, they don't have a CFP designation. They didn't necessarily get a degree in economics. They're just like endlessly curious. They read a lot and they write a lot and they think a lot about money. And so some of my favorite people in the space that I have learned the most from are mostly self-educated. So I agree. I don't think it comes down to credentialism or just somebody having a diploma. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're the person you should be listening to. That's right. I, th- I think one of the questions you want to ask when you're getting advice from someone, when you're vetting personal finance advice, is how similar is this person's financial situation to mine? Taking advice about like investing from your boss's boss who makes <laughs> 10 times as much as you do, well, it might not make much sense, right? They might be messing around with riskier assets because they have more money at their disposal. They might be telling you to invest big time in crypto when you're barely getting the match in your company 401k, right? Or they might just be more bored than you are and uh, just <laughs> be reading a bunch of different crypto blogs. Must have a lot of time up there in the, uh, the corner office, I in guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it might not always be clear how much you hold in common with the person that's giving you advice, but it can be helpful to ask that question because it might be immediately clear that this is someone that you shouldn't be turning to for money advice because they're just like extreme differences in where you're at in your personal finance journey. Yeah. But at the same time too, you know, like there might be a variety of folks who you could have money conversations with and there's probably a good chance that you make different incomes. You know, you have different amounts of money saved uh, or invested. Like you likely will have a, a very different financial situation. And so in those instances, it's important that the advice giver (laughs) is asking you the right questions. You want to make sure that they know and understand what your goals are, where you're coming from, uh, what it is that you're trying to achieve. Because, I mean, this is definitely true too when it comes to hiring a financial advisor. You're probably hoping... I mean, I guess depending on your situation, you might make more than that financial advisor or you might be making less. But chances are your goals might be a little bit different. And so in that case, it's okay that things are different, but just make sure that they're curious about you and your goals. Yeah, totally. I think one other helpful question to ask when you're vetting the advice you're being given is, if I follow this advice, does the person who's giving it benefit from an action that I might take? And like in terms of specifically, like you were, you were saying, Matt, a financial advisor, knowing how they get paid is crucial in order to be able to trust the advice that's being given to you. Mm-hmm. If they make a commission based on the funds that they're selling, then they have an incentive to put you in specific funds that might cost you more. And that's really different than if they make money based on how much time they spend with you, like a hourly rate, essentially, and they spend five hours with you in a given month. And so that's how much you get billed. Knowing how their bread is buttered is going to inform how you respond to the advice that's being given. And so another question that's worth asking now here as we kind of get close to the end of the episode is does how to money do we pass this test? Do, does the advice that you and I talk about and give here on the show, is it legit? <laughs> and, and so let's talk about that. You know, like Joel and I, we make money when the ads play during the podcast. You might find that annoying. I don't think many people get pumped to hear podcast ads. Uh, but the, our business model is easy to understand. It's transparent. Uh, and our financial situation is, you know, it is probably similar to some of you out there. Some of you who listen and, and have been investing for a couple more decades are, are likely actually well beyond us when it comes to wealth building. But there's others out there, too, who are starting out on their journey. Uh, They likely don't have as much built up yet. But it's our goal here on the show to offer advice that speaks to a wide range of people from all different walks of life, as well as different stages of their personal financial life. And additionally, we're not selling anything here on the show. Like We don't have programs or classes or different things like that. So we benefit if you continue listening to the show, but we're not going to directly benefit if you do exactly what we tell you to do. If you open that Roth IRA, (laughs) like that's all your benefit, right? Yeah, the Matt and Joel Bank uh, that's (laughs) offering this type of fund. That's not something that we have. Uh, I mean, you don't have to listen to our advice. We hope that you do. 
Uh, and honestly, Joel, I mean, that's one of the best parts of the show is when we do get to hear from listeners who have listened to our advice and have changed the trajectory of their lives. They've changed what they do with their money and they've seen the impact that it's going to have on them and their family trees. Yeah, totally. And I think too, Matt, one of the other things we try to do on the show is that we really also want our listeners to look to other resources for financial knowledge too. We don't want to be your guru. <laughs> you know, we don't want to be the only place you turn for financial advice. We would like to be one of the places that you turn, but we suggest looking other places too. There are other great personal finance podcasts out there besides ours. We've brought some of those podcasters on the show that we really respect and we like what they're doing. We interview other money experts and folks who have gone deep on more like niche uh, personal finance topics every other week. Like That's one of the things we like to do. Folks who have written books, people who are doing interesting things in the personal finance space. Matt, we'll readily admit, we don't know everything. And we also believe that different perspectives are important in this genre. Yeah. Because we all come from a different place with our personal finances, a, a different history, and it's nice to bring on people that view things a little bit differently, right? Yes, there are foundational truths, right? Like, they're, like you're not going to be able to get ahead with your money if you're always spending more than you make. Like right. That's like a foundational truth. But when it comes to the different paths that people take to achieve those end goals of being able to, to be financially independent, there are lots of different paths. And, and that's one of the best parts of having other folks here on the show. That's right. And, and like you and I, we're not above saying something stupid or even something that's just plain wrong from time to time. <laughs> we say dumb stuff uh, and we are fallible. Yes, yes. <laughs> and like I think that's another important uh, part of vetting somebody that you want to get personal finance advice from or, or money advice from. You want them to be willing to admit that and some people aren't. Um, but yeah, and also too, it's it's not everything that we discuss on the show is going to be applicable to everyone or at least applicable right. to everyone at that time. It's important to note that. And I know some people skip episodes based on what we're talking about. They're like investing in real estate. I've heard you talk about that. I'm not interested. That's just not something I'm ever going to get into. So they skip those episodes. And I understand that. That's fine. Or maybe we'd recommend that you give it a shot <laughs> because we always try to talk about things differently. Uh, and I think sometimes when you know one of the reasons we come back to certain topics is there's just different ways to view those things. Uh, and you know, the first time someone hears about real estate, they're like, oh no, that sounds terrible. But then, you know, we talk about it kind of from like this mom and pop management standpoint and, and how we like to approach our properties. Or the Airbnb hospitality standpoint. And you're exactly. like, hmm, I don't know, that sounds more interesting to me. Yeah. And that can appeal to different folks. Totally. So so wrapping this up, it's it's great to get advice from knowledgeable people. You want people that know what they're talking about. That's that's where you want to get your advice. But even when you find trusted sources of information, it's important to do your own due diligence. Seeking out well-informed and unbiased advice is key to growing your knowledge and avoiding some of the mistakes you might otherwise make if you're taking in the personal finance perspectives of everyone around you. So be careful when you're taking in personal finance advice. There's a lot of it coming at us these days from a lot of different angles. And it's important to know who's trustworthy and also to find multiple trustworthy sources to build our knowledge base from. Nice. Yeah, man. All right. Let's go ahead and quickly shift gears. Let's get to the beer we had on this episode. I feel like we had a lot to say about uh, financial advice. Uh, so hopefully that doesn't mean, though, that we shortchanged the beer on this episode. You and I shared The Return of the Tripping Dead. Uh, this is a beer by Tripping Animals. Uh, and this is a Berliner Weiss style beer with cherry, coconut, almonds, and vanilla. And I read all those ingredients listed here under the name because I could taste every single one of those ingredients in this beer. They were perfectly balanced. I really enjoy this beer. Uh, yeah, what were your thoughts, man? Dude, it was a joyous medley of <laughs> different flavors <laughs> popping at the same time. We've had a few beers by this brewery. They're down in Florida somewhere. And every one we've had has been impeccable, has been just like really, really delicious. And the can art is killer too. So I, I just, um, I really like everything I've had from them. Looking forward to having more Tripping Animals beers in the future. I know 
you're drawn to the labels. And for me, I'm like, whatever. A little like, cartoony. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, you, you love the illustrations, for sure. But even if their branding was terrible, I would still really enjoy this beer. It almost tastes like this is a sour that's been aged in wood because it has more of a almost like a funky acidity going on. A lot of times when you have a sour that's got a lot of fruit like this, it can kind of be just over the top, like cloyingly sweet. sweet and yeah. soft kind of feeling. But with the acidity in this beer, it's just, it's so well-rounded and balanced that, uh, yeah, I, it definitely had me wishing we had two of these and that we didn't just share this one can <laughs> today. <laughs> but uh, yeah, enjoyed it, man. Glad uh, this is one we were able to share on the show today. But dude, that's going to be it for this episode. Listeners can find our show notes up on the website at howtomoney.com. That's right. And Matt and I, we just admitted we're fallible. And if you have found a way that we have messed up, we want to hear from you and we, we want to do better. So if you have a way that we can improve the show, make it better for listeners from all walks of life, we would love to hear it. And so just go to howtomoney.com slash do better. Drop us a line. Your constructive criticism really helps us hone the show and make it better. That's right. So Joel, until next time. Best friends out. Best friends out. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're really choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.